Today's episode of the two-man power trip of wrestling is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. Podgo is providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co. That is one more time, P-O-D-G-O dot C-O, podgo dot co. The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Podcast. Man, Power Trip of Wrestling. I am your host, J.P. John Paz, and today we have a very special guest. He is the former Queewee from WCW. He's also a former Miss TNA winner. You may know him as the Funkster, but he is Mr. Alan Funk. Welcome to the Two Man Power Trip. How you doing? Hey, thanks, John. Appreciate it, buddy. So what's been uh, kind of going on in your world? What have you been up to? Uh, you know, I'll take bookings here and there for some wrestling shows. Uh, just got last weekend, I went up to New York and had a uh, autograph signing with uh, a couple of my buddies you might know from WCW, Mike Sanders, uh, Mark Jindrak, Crowbar, and uh, Nick Patrick. So just doing stuff like that right now, you know, trying not to take too many bumps. Yeah, that's pretty cool because uh, that is quite the WCW reunion right there. Yeah, yeah, they uh, they had a bunch of fans up there that was wanting uh, some, you know, some uh, wrestlers from back in the late '90s, early 2000s, WCW, and they had a they actually had a special request for uh, Nick Patrick. They wanted the original NWO referee, so that's what we gave them. Pretty cool. Uh, I love it. How did it go in New York City? I know WCW didn't travel too far really into New York, but how did it go up there? Uh, yeah, we we done a few shows up there. Uh, it, yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, they had a pretty good turnout. I think I think everything turned out all right for them. Uh, everybody made a little bit of money, so all the fans were happy. So hopefully they uh, we did what they wanted. Have you been able to do a lot of like signing and stuff like that because of the pandemic, or has that kind of been few and far between? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, last year or so, it's probably been a few far between for me. But uh, I, I usually I do some here and there, you know, sporadically. Guys will call, and uh, you know, I'll go to Philadelphia and stuff like that. And but I haven't I hadn't really done that since the pandemic started. So, 
how was it out there? Like, was there a lot of fans? Was it a, like a good atmosphere? Or was it kind of people were wanting masks and all that other kind of stuff? Uh, well, I tell you, New York as a whole, man, it, it sucked. Uh, you couldn't go anywhere without a mask. And I, I live in Georgia now, and the, and the uh, mask mandates, you know, pretty pretty much uh, if you want to wear a mask, you can wear it. Some, some people, you know, businesses will ask you to wear it. But uh, I'm totally against the mask thing because I don't think they work in uh, – I think it's just a bunch of crap having to wear a mask all day long. Yeah, I'm up here in New Jersey. They make us, and I, I was in Wawa the other day, and somebody had just really forgotten their mask, and they're like, whoa, 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 get back, get, get your mask. It was funny. It was like, okay, guys, <laughs> relax. He's, he doesn't have a gun or anything. Relax. So he went yeah, out back exactly, to his car, right. and he got, you know, he got his mask, and everything was okay. Yeah. I mean, as far as, like, the politics and stuff going on in this world, man, it's a, it's a mess, man. I, I I can't even watch the news anymore. It's it, 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 it's so depressing. It is crazy. I can't believe everything has become ultra political these days. It's a sad state of affairs. Yeah, it, it, it's uh, it's crazy. My my dad passed away a few years ago, but uh, <laughs> if he'd be alive right now, he'd be going nuts. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel you on that. Right there, same boat with me. But it's just it, it's crazy out there but yeah that's got to be a little bit of a change up new york is so stringent and stuff and down south georgia florida seem to be a bit more open and relaxed about it yeah yeah you know you you, you have some of your you know some extreme you know mask nazis i call them but uh pretty georgia's pretty laid back right now so i'm I'm happy with uh where i'm at so yes that is good now as far as kind of like wrestling wise and really kind of breaking in how did you get into the business? Was that right through WW PowerPoint? Like, how did you go about getting in? Well, now, see, uh, I, I started doing some independence in Ohio with a buddy of mine, Greg Anderson. Uh, he, he was wrestling with this uh, guy named Kid Collins, which uh, he was one of the staples on the WWE, like, superstars. And, one of the, you know, he's one of the jobbers, people like to call him, you know. And uh, so... Uh, Originally in Ohio is where we're from, so uh, he was in Mansfield, Ohio, which was, you know, probably a two-hour drive from where we grew up in Alliance, Ohio. So uh, Greg started going down there. Well, we both started going down there, but I, I just didn't uh, really want to drive three hours to go to a school and pay, you know, tons of money. And uh, you know, and you know, I don't know how you, if you know how some of the business works. A lot of these guys really don't want to help you out at all. They just want your money and they want to help themselves out. So, unfortunately, that's that's the way the wrestling business is, for the most part. Uh, so after Greg went through that, I met a kid with a wrestling ring that was actually in a school, an old abandoned school that the uh, volunteer fire department owned. And he was a volunteer fireman, so they they let him set up a ring in there. So I met this guy and. Uh, I actually contacted him because I was interested in work out in the ring, and I wanted to basically have Greg come down there, and basically he'd teach me. And, you know, I, I was pretty athletic, so it wasn't hard to learn. So uh, Greg, uh, he uh, taught me a little bit, and then we started doing independence as a tag team called Terminal Punishment around Ohio and Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and stuff like that. And then, uh, you know, I was getting nowhere. I, I met a few people, in the, you know, like as far as, like, you know, the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov, Tony Atlas, I did some shows with, and uh, the Batten Twins, I don't know if you're familiar with them. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, they were great. They helped me out a lot. Uh, they seemed generally interested in trying to get me better because uh, I back then I had a great physique. Uh, I used to bodybuild and powerlift and 
you know, I was younger, so they, they kind of like my physique and, and they like my work ethic and, you know, they, they, they figured they could do something with me. So that was, we, I, they always booked me and Greg against them because they were a tag team. They liked how, you know, we worked. So, uh, <clears throat> then I, I realized I wasn't going to be doing much there. And I, you know, I, I kept telling my, uh, my girlfriend at the time, uh, you know, I gotta, I gotta do this power plant thing. Cause you kept seeing these, you know, commercials when you're watching nitro and stuff and, I was like, you know, I, I either got to do that or I got to try to get WWE. I had no clue how to do anything with WWE, so I contacted the Pine Plan, did my three-day tryout, which was the most brutal thing in the history of man. And uh, I'm sure you've heard the Pine the, uh, Plant horror stories. Uh, oh, yeah. And saw the A&E biography and stuff like that. But uh, it, it it was every bit of what people say it is, and, and, and I'm sure it's more. Uh, but uh, it, it was pretty rough three-day tryout. Uh, made it through that out of probably about 15, 20 guys. I was the only one that made it through that class. Uh, they have Jody Hamilton, which is Vic Patrick's father, uh, Joe Hamilton Sr. Uh, he was one of the mass assassins. He was running the pilot plant at the time. They invited me back with uh, Sarge and Pistol Pez Watley was down there. Uh, so then that was in July. I moved down to Atlanta in October. Uh, that's uh, 1998. Uh, when that moved me and my wife, which was a fiance time, we just got up and moved and, uh, got an apartment in, uh, Smyrna, Georgia, which was not too far from the power plant. Um, and I just drove there every day, got a kind of part-time odd man job and she was a nurse and so it kind of worked out. And then, uh, I was only the power plant shoot maybe a couple months and, uh, kid Romeo, I don't really remember him. Oh, yes. Uh, him and I, he, we had our first, uh, we were, I guess, one of the two guys out of that class with Elix Skipper, Sonny Siaki, Chuck Palumbo, Mark Gindrak, uh, Rick Cornell, which was Reno. Uh, shoot, a couple of Mike Sanders. Uh, I, I'm sure I'm missing a couple. But uh, Bill Torberg was there, which was the demon. Uh, Christy, which was Asia, that's his wife now. Uh, uh, Kevin Nash came in and was talking to Kid Romeo. And uh, booked us on a uh, on the uh, Saturday night show, which they taped on Wednesday night. So we flew to Roanoke, Virginia. Uh, it's funny how you remember the, the arenas that you wrestled in. Uh, I wrestled Kid Romeo two matches. They had us wrestle two matches because they had a they filmed two weeks of the show. So if you were if you did two matches, then you were on the next two weeks. So uh, which was good. Uh, they had him go over the first match, and I went over the second match, and we kind of had that's how our me and Kid Realme had a little feud starting out on the Saturday night show, so that's how I started up in WCW. Very cool. Just want to rewind just for a second back to the power plant. Was that one of those things where they almost don't want the guys to make it? Because you always hear those horror stories, how tough it is. Sometimes you hear schools are easy because they want the guys to keep coming along, keep coming along. Power plant almost seemed like they didn't want the guys to make it. Well, yeah, it, it almost did seem like that. Whether that was the case or not, I don't know. Uh, some people have different opinions. Uh, I, I would. I felt like it's not that they didn't want you to get through it. They wanted so they wanted the people to get through it that actually had hard enough to last through all the pain and suffering, which is what they did to you. Um, they they wanted to make sure that you wasn't just there to you know. I think I'm gonna you know be a big you know I'm gonna be the next Hulk Hogan. I'm gonna be the next Alma Warrior. They want to make sure that you weren't just in there to. To just get in the way, basically, because I mean, you, you got so many guys that want to get in the wrestling business, 
they want to make sure they got, you know, guys that look good. They want to make sure they got guys with heart and the drive to go to the next level, you know. Yeah, definitely. And that's quite a good class if you think about it. Like you said, Romeo, Skipper, Mike Sanders, a lot of good wrestlers came out of there. Oh, yeah. Same time. Combo, Jindrak, uh, that was the – well, we had an original. When I first started, there was a uh, – I guess I called it the original power plant. It, it was a – it was a hole in the wall, man. Like just dirty, you know, cockroaches. It, it was crazy. It, you would never picture the WCW power plant being in this building. It was just uh, down on Carroll Drive at the crappiest end of Atlanta. And you, you would have never. When I first drove there, I was like, "There's no way this is the building." Like, and I, you know, because I got there in the flight and I drove. I got to rent a car, drove down there when I was doing my tryouts, and I wanted to make sure I knew where I was going in the morning so I wasn't late. And uh, I was telling myself, there's no way this is it. Then I saw a WCW, like the ring truck there, and it was an old, crappy, like, it was amazing how that that was actually the place that I was going to go do a tryouts for WCW because I'm picturing WCW, you know, you're going to walk in this big, savage building, you're going to, you know, meet the secretary and the security officer, you know what I mean? It, it was nothing like that. It was just an old run-down warehouse with four rings in it, and it had old, just decrepit uh, weightlifting equipment that was so outdated. Uh, that, you know, they obviously had decent rings, but it was it just in the middle of a, just a, crap pile and it just it was it was brutal uh there was holes in the walls which were guys actually got tackled through the wall or you know just i mean you just you just got abused there you know nowadays i'm not sure they could get away with doing the stuff that they did back then uh just because you know the way the world's going and everybody's a crybaby so you know i i grew up old school my dad was military so you know i i was uh used to getting my you know getting the belt or whatever when I was a kid or, you know, I got disciplined. So I was kind of used to that kind of uh, environment, I guess. With that kind of training, like what do they do? They just like, do they not get you in the ring? Are they run you to death? Like what do they do as far as like that crazy training and being so grueling? Well, I mean, it's, you go in there and you do Hindu squats and you, I mean, hundreds and thousands. We probably did that 1500 Hindu squats, you know, before lunchtime. You do, they're just they're just basically trying to wear you down to the point that where you're just going to say, screw it, I'm done. I can't even – and you literally can't really even stand up. Uh, you do Hindu squats, you do push-ups, you do – you know, you go in the ring, you run the ropes, you do flips, and you land on your back, you're taking back bumps. They just have you run into place as fast as you can and taking back bumps, and you just keep getting up and doing that, you know, for five minutes. And then you, you never get a break. You don't even get a drink of water. And uh, by the time you go get a drink of water, they, they'll say, okay, everybody. And then by the time you get over to the cooler, there's 30 guys that are trying to get a drink of water, and you're lucky to get a drip, you know what I mean? So you're you're uh, everybody's fending for yourself. You're just trying to stay focused enough not to collapse. Or, I mean, you cramp up. Uh, you go outside. Well, I went down in July. We were running sprints outside on the blacktop, you know, with no shirts on, having us do sit-ups push-ups on the blacktop, you know, with our bare hands, no shirts on, doing sit-ups in the, on the concrete, uh, and uh, having uh, guys jump on your back and run up and down the, the parking lot. And it was 100 degrees outside, and I don't know if you know Georgia. It's humid. It's all get out, and you're just running outside. Then you're running inside. It just uh, It's nonstop eight hours plus of 
you getting the crap beat out of you, guys kicking you, you get thrown in the ring, you get body slammed. You actually do actual, like, amateur wrestling matches. I remember uh, Prince Iakea. I, I had so much respect for Mike, uh, which is Prince Iakea, uh, coming in that tryout because, you know, you see these guys on TV and you're not really sure what you're going to get when you see them, you know, in, in person. So he got me in the ring and he beat the living snot out of me. Like, I made it, I, I was defending myself, but not very well because I was so beat from doing all the other stuff that I, I you know, you, you can barely split. So you got guys, they'll throw four or five guys in there and just beat the crap out of you, just kick you. Um, you know, I broke my nose. Uh, just all kinds of stuff, man. They, they just try to wear you out. Prince IK, second generation wrestler, so he probably got the same kind of thing when he was coming up. You know, he probably oh. given some back. Oh yeah, 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 and I, I had a lot of respect for Mike. He, he, uh, I became good friends with him when he was there, and I actually was doing a program with him in WCW with uh, when I started with Paisley because she was with him. And uh, oh man, I, I love working Mike. Man, he was incredible. He, he's a great guy. Didn't he win the lottery or something? And kind of, you know, someone told me that he kind of disappeared. Man, he fell off the face of the earth. And someone said he, someone told me his brother got shot or something, and he was really depressed over that. Uh, I'm not really sure where he got shot at, and I guess he got killed. And then uh, next thing you know, he wins the lottery, so he, I guess he moved all his family back to the island somewhere. And uh, as far as I know, I still have no clue where he's at. I've, I've actually asked a few people to try to get a hold of him, and nobody really nobody knows how to get a hold of him. Yeah, the last I heard was from Kevin Sullivan. He said that he had won the lottery and kind of like disappeared. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that's the same thing I heard. Yeah, weird. Yeah. So when you finally kind of get called up from the power plant, you start doing Saturday night, like you said. Are you Alan Funk? Like, what's like the, the name that they give you, or the name you give yourself? Yeah, yeah. I, I started out on a Saturday night. I was just Alan Funk, uh, which which I kind of like. I kind of like the uh, the angry Alan Funk gimmick. That's what I always wanted to do. Uh, but you know, you can't always do what you want in in, in the world of wrestling. It's kind of like. You know, when you're a young guy, you kind of just do whatever they tell you to do. So I started wrestling, you know, uh, I'm, I worked matches with a lot of the power plant guys. That's how they first had a start on WCW Saturday night, you know, because we were all familiar with each other. We trained. We knew what everybody did. Uh, you know, I did some matches with Eo Skipper, uh, Chuck Palumbo, Sonny Siaki, Reno, Mike Sanders. You know, actually, Mike Sanders and I were a tag team when we started out. Uh and I was actually the guy on the microphone because Mike was scared to death to get on the mic. And then you know what happened to him? He's you couldn't get him off the mic after he started Nitro as the you know match born thrillers and uh, the leader of that group. But uh, yeah, we we just worked all the power plant guys, and then you know they kind of everybody kind of started going their own separate ways because Chuck Palumbo he was doing a, that Lex Luger gimmick. He was you know American him or whatever. And then uh, you know him and Stacy Act became uh, partners, and then uh, and him and O'Hare I guess. And what was O'Hare and Jindrak? That's that's another guy I forgot. Sean O'Hare, I forgot to say he was down there. Uh, yeah, and then we just kind of all went our separate ways. They uh, then they had the gimmick between the Nash One Thrillers and then me. Even you know, since we were off in the power plant, they used to gang up on me and stuff like that. So you know, we, we had heat. And uh, I wrestled Sanders for the Cruiserweight belt a couple of times, and you know, they always interfered, and that they used that as part of the power plant. You know. We used to trade the power plant, and I was kind of the outcast, you know. So, and 
how I became the Kiwi is me and Mike Sanders were actually doing our tag team. So we're we're in uh, West Virginia. I'm walk, we're walking through the airport. And I I literally was wearing my hair spiked up like it was like you saw the Kiwi character. And uh, Vince Russo and Terry Taylor were sitting in the airport. They looked at me and was like, you actually wear your freaking hair like that? Like, because they never saw me like that, I guess, outside of the ring. And uh, they were like, we we got a character for you. So I was like, all right. So he said, you know, Nitro, you know, we're going to talk to you about it and this and that. So we, we, we think we got something we want you to do. So, so I met him at Nitro and stuff, and they kind of gave me, a you know, an overview of what the character was. It was it was actually supposed to be uh, a spinoff of a Chris Kattan or a uh, I think it was Chris Kattan that did that thing on Saturday Night Live. It was a, the Mango. Do you remember that? Oh, he's like the the monkey, and he would like destroy the apple when he was eating. Yeah, yeah. He, he was real. I I I kind of remembered a little bit. Uh, so he was a Mango, and I guess David Spade was uh called Kiwi. It was his cousin or something. He brought on the show. And then, uh, so they actually started calling me Kiwi, and and that and I guess everybody, not too many people, which I'm glad you did, you, you pronounced it right. Actually, a lot of people won't still call me Kiwi. They don't realize it's KW, and that, you know, which which is fine because it, it was kind of screwed up name, and I, I don't really like the Kiwi name anyway. It's kind of stupid. But uh, the, the reason they changed it from Kiwi to Kiwi was Saturday Night Live contacted him and said they were going to sue him because they were using David Spade's character. And oh, wow. uh, so they changed the name to Kiwi instead of Kiwi. So that's how that came about. Such a weird uh, gimmick. I mean, very, very almost like Adrian street, like, you know, like obviously Chris Kattan mixed in there as well. Did they say it's supposed to be like a quote unquote gay gimmick or what did they say the character was supposed to be? Well, and, that, and that's it, too. Like, at the time, when they gave me that character, they said, listen, we can't have any homo chance, no homosexual, no, you know, we don't need anybody calling you a fag. Any any kind of, if we get any of that, you're off TV. We can't use it. And I'm like, well, you guys are, like, pretty much just setting me up for failure. Like, I, I'm, I'm thinking, how do you do this character when you're flamboyant and you're acting kind of homosexual? Mm-hmm. And you're dressing in pink. I mean, you're not really acting homosexual, but it, there's tendencies, and, and you, you know they want me to talk a certain way. And I, I was not comfortable doing the character at all. Uh, I just didn't like doing it. And uh, but then 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 I came up with, well, you know, how about I have a you you know if you make me angry, then I, I snap and I'm angry and I'm a funk. I have like two personas, and they they like that. And uh, that's that's all I ever wanted to do. So I kind of like doing that, but. Uh, I never really got any gay chance or anything like that. Uh, there was a few signs here and there, but it wasn't enough for them to, uh, you know, pull a red flag and then take the character off TV. It actually started getting over. And uh, I noticed every every time I went out, there was more and more, you know, query signs with glitter on them and this and that. <laughs> and, uh, excuse me. And uh, so, I mean, it started getting over, and then uh, Eric Bischoff was going to buy the company. I, and uh, I don't know if you know what happened with all that stuff. But, uh you know, I was, media uh, ventures. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I was getting a push then bigger and bigger push. And, you know, I wrestled for the cruiserweight belt. I, you know, I beat Ray Mysterio, Billy Kidman and, uh, Chavo Guerrero Jr. And Lash LaRue and Elon Skipper and all these guys in a match to, to wrestle for the cruiserweight belt. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, man, they're going to, you know, they're, they're actually start pushing me. They, they actually told me I was going to win that match against Sanders, uh, and win the cruiserweight 
the cruiserweight belt when we were in uh I think it was Mayhem or not Mayhem. Yeah, it was Mayhem in uh in uh so once it got down to the day of the show then uh they came and said, Hey, we're not we're, you know, you're not gonna win the strap today and they, they didn't really give me a reason. But I I mean I, I got my own spin on it but I I, I don't know to be true so I'm I won't say anything. I don't want to piss somebody off if it's not true, but, but, but you know, I, and I'm good friends with Mike, so I, I really didn't, I, I really didn't care, honestly. It, it would have helped my career a little bit, but, you know, hindsight, what are you going to do, you know? You think maybe you should have won the title, though, at that point, given well, the they, kind I of mean, role Finley you were in? Well, I mean, Finley and uh, Arn Anderson, we were in, actually, we were in Birmingham, England, overseas, it, when I won that match with all them cruiserweights in it to to fight Mike for the uh, title. And Fitz Finley and Arn Anderson, they you know, they had a meet and stuff, they all came out and they told me, Hey, listen, you're gonna win this match. This is what you know, this is what's gonna happen. Uh then, you know, you're gonna wrestle Sanders at the pay per view and uh we're gonna put the belt on you. And, you know, I was excited, man. I was like, Yeah, that's awesome. So uh that never happened and then uh you know, just re- they really never really did anything with my character. Uh as far as like let me do what I wanted to do, they never let me get over, you know. And I I understand it's entertain it's sports entertainment this and that, but when you when you never win, people remember that, you know what I mean. And then they're like, oh, you never beat nobody, and you know, you you you're kind of character is just yeah, you're yeah, you're just on TV, you know what I mean. So and that was the thing I hate about WCW. Like you watch WWE, everybody's a superstar. WCW, that's not how it was. There were superstars, and then there was, like, me. <laughs> you know what I mean? You just got there and had matches, and you had great matches all the time, but you never get any recognition for them. As far as putting, like, Paisley with you, that was your idea to put her? or, or No, no, was... well, and that was another thing they'd come up with. They they were like, well, we're going to give you girls. Well, the first girl they gave me was a stripper that Mark Madden, which was one of the announcers, brought from Pittsburgh. You remember Mark? Oh, yes. So he comes to the show. He's like, hey, man, I got a girl for you. I brought her from Pittsburgh. And, well, here he, I guess he met her at a damn strip club. They they bring her in for this nitro, and this is the thing that I couldn't stand that WCW did. They, you know, what I mean, why wouldn't you have someone that actually been in the wrestling business? Why would you just bring a stripper in from <laughs> from Philadelphia because Mark Madden brought her? I mean, <laughs> they a lot of times they did stuff that made zero sense, man. And I, I think you could agree with that. On mm-hmm. uh, that's that's yeah. one example. So who's the one no, that kind of that kind of says like, hey, let's put you with Paisley of all people? Yeah, yeah. Well, they they came to me and said, uh, I, since I since I was having a program with uh, Prince, well, I I did that program with Prince before they gave me Paisley, but she they had her like I don't know if you remember, she was like under my spell, like I, I was so. Uh, she was so attracted to me that I just had that, you know, something special that just put people in a trance because I was so good looking, I guess. <laughs> she loved you, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so, you know, so they had them segments where she'd come to wardrobe and then she'd fall in love with me, you know. And then uh, that's when they give me the stripper. And then they give me a, then they give me, you remember Kathy Dingman? She was BB in WWE. Oh, yeah. They, they give me her for a couple of weeks. Well, she was engaged to Bob Holly and he couldn't stand her being in w- WCW locker room. He wouldn't even let her leave the locker room. You know, she was so scared of that guy that she wouldn't leave the locker room. So we, you know, we never had any kind of really chemistry because the only time I saw her is when we were getting ready to shoot something and she came out of the locker room. 
<laughs> so I had her for a couple weeks, uh, and then finally they they did what they were doing in the first place, having Paisley fall in love with me, and then now she's my valet. So yeah. It's kind of like funny. It's like, so did they say they're going to have big plans for you? They don't even say that we're just going to put you with her and they don't kind of give you any like notice. Uh, like, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. No, not really. Uh, and that, that's one thing I hated. They never, you never knew what direction you were going in. You, you had hopes in your mind and you have, you know, things that you're like, all right, this is, if I just keep doing this, you know, if I, if, you know, my body looks good, you know, if my work's good, I have to, you know, eventually something's going to fall into place. You know, that, that's my mentality. What did you think? I know Mike Sanders ends up beating you at, at the Mayhem pay per view, but what did you think like after that? Did you think like, oh, they're burying me, or did you think like, okay, you know, this is just my job and gonna move on to the next one? Yeah, no, I didn't think they buried me at all. I, I mean, I never thought that, uh, not at all. I, I just, you know, I just knew how it was, and I'm like, eh, you know, they they say one thing, they do another, but they they did that with everything, and they they never really had. I, they had no direction. They, I, I think they didn't know what they were going to do from show to show, to be honest with you. Which, which showed a lot in a lot of the segments, if, if you remember watching it back then. Mm-hmm. So, yep. You know, they, they they had a general idea of, well, this guy's feuding with this guy. But I think when they got to the show, they kind of just said, well, what should we do with him today? You know, well, they did this last week. I don't know. Let's, uh, let's just see what we can come up with. And, that, and that's what it seemed like to me, being, you know, on the inside. A lot of the stuff they did just didn't have any rhyme or reason. And I think most people would agree with that. Yeah, it's funny because, like, before that, you'd win that Cruiserweight title kind of elimination match, really, with all those guys, Mysterio and Kidman and uh, Lash LaRue and stuff. Then you beat Skipper at that big Millennium Final, which was a pay-per-view right before Mayhem, really um, a German pay-per-view before Mayhem. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like, oh, he's getting the, you know, he's getting the big push, and it just, it seemed like it was heading that direction where you were definitely going to win the title. Yeah, but I mean, I, as far as I know, I didn't piss anybody off. I always did what I was told. Uh, I mean, I wasn't an ass kisser, but I, I, you know, I did what I was told. I, you know, I figured my day would come if I just keep doing what I'm doing, you know. But uh, it just never happened, you know. And around that same period of time around the same point you do wrestle Goldberg in, in a bit of I guess a quote-unquote squash what did you think about wrestling Bill uh I mean I like Bill I, I thought the match didn't make any sense until I actually realized what they were doing that was if you remember that was a week before the pay-per-view I wrestled Sanders so the idea Mike is a commissioner he booked that match to hurt me so I wouldn't be 100% wrestling the pay-per-view and, oh right yes that makes perfect sense yeah, I mean, a lot of, in, in, in the way they do it, if you didn't watch the show all the time, you that would have slipped right by. You wouldn't understand why they even booked me in the match. That, and that and that's the reason. Uh, so if you watch the match again, you see Mike, he's at the commentary table, and they're like, wait till you see, you know, what I did. And then I come out, and then he's like, oh, just wait till you see what I did to Quiwi. And then here comes Goldberg's music. And then. Mark Madden and Shivani, you know, they pop. Oh my God, what'd you do, Sanders? You know, so that that was the whole build up to that the week before the pay per view, and then you know, I, I obviously the the spear that he got. Uh, I mean, it really did hurt me. Uh, he bruised my ribs, and uh, he didn't even want to do that spear. But I I I didn't make him, but I I insisted that we do it, and uh, he finally agreed to it. <laughs> if you remember that spear. 
highlight reel spear but, on you. He drilled you. Oh man, but it was awesome, wasn't it? He uh Yes. You know, he he uh and that's exactly how I presented it to Bill. I said, "Listen, man, cuz Bill is a great guy." As far as, as like outside of the wrestling ring, like if I ever talked to Bill, he was a great guy. You know, he'd come down to power plant a lot. He'd always bring his, uh, you know, one of his hot rod cars, and he'd always show us his color, and, and we always talked, and he'd come in the power plant and train a little bit, and he was a great guy. But business-wise, he's a totally different person, uh, which puts us at, in the, we're in Augusta, Georgia. My, actually, my wife drove down there because, of, you know, it's not too far from Atlanta. Uh, so then, you know, my, my wife's hanging out and then she's seeing how everything's working and then she couldn't believe I was wrestling Bill. So, and, and I really, and they didn't tell me why I was wrestling Bill until after, actually until after I watched the show, I didn't realize what even happened. I didn't know Sanders was going to be out there or nothing. They didn't explain anything to me. So all I know is I'm getting squashed for, I'm like, why in the hell am I wrestling Bill? Cause every, when I got to the show, everybody's like, Hey, you're wrestling Goldberg. And I said, why the hell would I wrestle Bill? And uh, they're like, I don't know, it's on the board. I went, I went around the back, and I looked, and I was like, holy crap, I'm wrestling Goldberg. And then I'm like, well, and like I said, no one told me anything. They didn't say, hey, listen, you're wrestling Bill because we're going to make it look like you get hurt or whatever, and then you're gonna, you're not going to be 100% for the pay-per-view and uh, this and that. But I, like I said, I didn't really know that until I watched the show because I always watch the shows when I got home after we filmed them uh, just to critique myself in, in the rest of the show. But uh yeah, so we, we we do that, and then you know, then supposedly I'm supposed to win the pay per view. I'm I'm you know defeating all the odds. You know, I got hurt. My bruise, my literally my ribs were bruised and real. That that wasn't at work. Uh, so I'm wrestling. That was a Monday. So I'm wrestling Sunday, which is six days later for the the cruiserweight title. And you know, I was supposed to defy the odds and and win the belt, but then uh, they changed it the day of the show, which is where I go back to nothing they ever did make sense. It's just interesting the way that happens, but I just think it's funny that kind of your idea with that crazy highlight reel uh, spirit, you'd think that would be like Goldberg's idea, like, yeah, I'm going to kill you with this one. No, no, actually, he, I had to beg him to do it. He did not want to do it. Because, you know, like I said, we trained or whatever, and I knew Bill, and uh, he's like, and I said, check this out. And what's funny about Bill is when we're, we get in the ring, I said, I'd, I'd really like to show you something. He's like, all right, well, what do you got in mind? So I said, how about you come in the ring, which is exactly what happened. I set the whole match up, which it wasn't much of a match, but I'm kind of proud of that he listened to everything I wanted to do. And uh, so I said, check this out. You come in the ring. I just start putting the boots to you, kicking you, punching you. He's like, well, wait a minute. I'm not selling anything. And I said, I don't expect you to, Bill, but just listen. So I said, boom, 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 I'm going to kick him, I'm going to punch you. I, and then I said, you, and he probably never seen me do anything. I said, I do this springboard sunset flip where I, I want you to time it. And when I springboard off and come around the sunset flip you, you come running and you damn spear me right in midair. He's like, holy shit, I'm going to kill you. And I said, <laughs> yeah, I know you are, but, man, it's going to be awesome. And then he goes, he goes well, let me see how we're going to do this. So I sprung board, and I said, now, when I springboard, turn around like I'm going to sunset flip you. I said, you, after I put the boots to you, you're going to be on your knee or whatever, and you just come charging like a football freaking three-point stand. You come flying, and you hit me. And then so we did it, and we, our timing was perfect on the very first one. And he was like, holy 
shit. He goes, bro, I'm going to freaking hurt you. I said, I know. It doesn't matter. I said, it's going to be awesome, Bill. I said, think about this. When, when I'm in midair and you spear me, I said, it's going to look like a damn train ran over me. And then he's like, he goes, I, I can't do it. He goes, I'm going to hurt you, man. And I said, I said, Bill, let's do it a couple more times. So we did it a couple more times. And he's like, no, I, I don't want to do it. And I was like, I said, Bill, you have to do it. I said, I'm begging you. I want to do it. He's like, so we did it again, and then he's like, are you sure you want to do this? I said, Bill, it's going to be awesome, man. I want to be, if 10, you know, 20 years from now, I said, when they go through the best spears, I want to be on the top of the list. If nothing else, at least give me that. He's like, he goes, yeah, man. He goes, if you want to do it, then we'll do it. I said, yeah, absolutely, let's do it. So we did it again and timed it, and our timing was perfect, and he's like, shit, man, let's do it. So that was it. And after the match, he was so excited after that spear uh, that I went back around the back, and he was in the locker room with Doug Dillinger, which was the head of security, come and got me. He goes, hey, man, Bill wants to see you over here. So I walked in there, and his dressing room, so I knocked on the door. I walked in there. He gave me a big hug, man. He was like, oh, my God, dude, I th- thank you so much for that. And, you know, my ribs were bruised, and I was hurt. And uh, I was like, yeah, no problem, man. It was great, wasn't it? He goes, oh, my God, I can't wait to watch that. He goes, that was unbelievable. You know, and he's like, you are ass, yeah, man, I'm good. Don't worry about it, which I wasn't. <laughs> but, you know, and my wife actually was in there. She got to see it, which was cool for her. And, you know, it's the first time she ever been backstage and stuff. But, uh, you know, it was cool, man. It made Bill feel good, I guess. And he always told me he owed me a favor, but he's never paid me back yet. <laughs> you could tell when he, like, first of all, it's an awesome spot, but when he nails you, you could tell it's like, oh, boy, there was no faking that one at all. He, he drilled you. Oh, no, yeah, he kind of, if you look at it, he kind of was like, oh, shit, I wonder if I killed him. <laughs> but <laughs> check this out. Do you remember the mask? Do you remember he picking me up for a jackhammer? I even told him when he picked me up, I said, what in the hell are you doing? I said, I am. After his feel like that, you don't pick a guy up. But right. he just got so hyped up the, the spirit. And, you know, he wrestler mentality, he's got a one-track mind. That's his finish, and he wanted to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, after that spear, dude, you, you don't need to pick anybody up after that. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, he should have just pinned you right then and there. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it kind of, it kind of pissed me off, but I mean, you know, what am I going to do? I'm I'm Queenie, and he's Bill Goldberg. What am I going to do? True. Yep. Very true. But you know, I, I had respect for Bill, which I still do, and uh, you know, it, it was a good spot, and uh, they actually still have it on the WWE Network, and they had it. You know, people posted on Facebook and Instagram is, I think Chris Jericho's got number one, and I can't remember. I think I was like three on the spear list, which I, I disagree with. <laughs> oh, it's one of the best ones. Yeah. I mean, I'll take top three. I, I can live with top yeah. three. So but, after that, they they kind of, you know what I mean? Like after that spear and after the loss to Sanders. I don't know, it feels like they didn't know what to do with you, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah, they really didn't. And I don't know if you remember, uh, Eric, that's when I guess Eric Bischoff started creeping in the picture, and he was going to buy the company. And uh, I, I really wasn't doing too much, but I, I wrestled uh, one night. Uh, we're in Indiana uh, just after the pay-per-view where uh, Sid Vicious snaps his freaking leg. I'm sure you remember that one. Yes, then. So, so then we, we go to Nitro the next night. Uh, and at this point, whenever uh, Bishop was taking over the company, uh, there was a lawyer that worked for WCW, Jenny Ingalls. She she came and got me in the locker room one day, and she 
you know, everybody's like, hey, uh, Jamie Ingle wants to see you out here. And I'm like, what the hell does she want to see me for? I'm like, you know, she's going to give me a new contract to sign. And uh, so I, I walked out there, and she's like, hey, uh, Alan, uh, Mr. Bishop would like to speak with you, have a meeting with you. I was like, serious? She goes, yeah. So I, I walked, she walked me to the office, and we were in the arena, and I walk into his office and uh, sit down, and Eric was always cool with me. So uh, me and Bishop sitting there talking, and he told me, he said, listen, Alan, he goes, I really love, you know, what you do. I love your work ethic. You know, I, I love your matches. He said, your body's great. He said, uh, I'm, you're going to get a push. He said, you're going to be my next big guy. I said, great. I said, shoot, whatever I got to do, sign me up. He's like, no, nah, you've already done it. But he said, what I need you to do, me a favor tonight. I wrestled Rick Steiner that night. He said, I need you to put Rick over big, make him look, you know, like Superman. I said, oh, no problem. Gotcha. So, uh, and he said, he said, I'm telling you, he goes, you do this for me. And he said, I like it. He said, you're going to get a big push. He said, you're going to be, you're going to make a lot of money. And you're going to be my next big, my next big name. I said, great. I'm, I'm all in, man. Can't wait. You know, stood up, shook his hand. He was excited. I was excited. You know, I, I did the job for Rick Steiner and, uh, put him over huge. And, uh, I always got along with Rick. So we had a pretty good match. He, he jobbed me out, but I I got some. He let me get some stuff in, so I got some stuff in, and uh, I made him look strong. And uh, got backstage, and Bishop, you know, was standing back there waiting on me. He said he loved it. He said exactly what he wanted, and you know this and that. And then every week from there on out, every time he was at the arena, they called me, and Jenny Ingle would come and get me and take me to his office, and pretty much do the same thing. And then, uh, so you know, I'm thinking, you know, two three weeks of this, I'm I'm definitely getting a push, you know. And then next thing you know, next week we go down to Florida, read pay per view. I wasn't even supposed to be on the show. Uh, I go, I go to the arena just to hang out, you know, hang out with the boys and watch the show and stuff. I went down to Florida for uh, a couple spring training games, so uh, we're down there hanging out with some baseball players. So we we go to the show Sunday night. Like I said, I wasn't even booked on it. While I'm there, they booked me on the show against Jason Jett, Easy Money from w, or ECW. Uh, had a help, had the uh, curtain jerker first match of the night, man. It was a about a fifteen minute barn burner, man. I don't know if you remember that match, but it was a great match. Very good match, yes. Remember it well. So I'm thinking, you know, I'm not booked on the pay per view. I'd show up, they booked me on anyway. So I'm thinking, well, you know, they said Jason Jett was going to go over, which which is fine with me. I I never had a problem with putting guys over, and uh, so uh, I'm thinking, you know, I do this job, man. And uh, next thing you know, then Kevin Nash calls. Me and Ross Foreman, while we're driving, I said, hey, man, uh, uh, Vince just bought the company. We're like, what, are you serious? So we're like, what? I, and I asked Kevin, I was like, well, what the hell do you think that means for me? He's like, I don't know, dude. I have no clue what's going on. But he goes, I, I know Vince bought the company. So we're going to Nitro, Panama City, or, yeah, Panama City Beach at the uh, – Wherever they, I, I can't remember. I don't think they did the club review of that night. Or they might have. Mm-hmm. But uh, so we get to the show. We walk in there, man. You know, you see Briscoe and Patterson and Shane McMahon, and I'm like, holy shit! And I'm thinking, what the hell is going on? Like Kevin wasn't lying. And then you know, everybody's kind of just in awe. Nobody really knows what to say. And then, uh, and they have us in a meeting, Briscoe and them guys. We go in the meeting, and they say, hey, this is what's going on. 
you know, nobody's job's in jeopardy yet. We got to straighten things out and see w- what direction we're going to go and this and that, right? So, you know, I'm, I'm just actually thinking, well, shit, this, this might actually be good for me because, you know, I'm going to finally go to a company that, hell, might actually do something with me because everybody that got is a superstar, you know? So I, I was pretty, uh, you know, I, I was kind of happy, but I was kind of unsure, you know what I mean? So, but I'm just, you know, I, I'm a positive guy. I had positive thoughts in my head and thinking, you know, this could be a real good thing for us. So, uh, you know, so we'll wait and see what happens. And, uh, you know, they didn't do crap with us. <laughs> so other than they sent us to, uh, John, you know who Johnny A, John, Johnny Laurinaitis is. Yep. So he calls me up after we're back in Atlanta. I'm, I'm back home. You know, I'm actually working with Mike Sanders, his dad owned a tote truck company. So, and I'm a blue collar guy, man. I grew up, you know, in a blue collar family and I, I've had, you know, jobs in landfills and stuff like that and running heavy equipment. So I ain't afraid of work. So, uh, you know, we're off. We're not really doing anything. They, they don't have anything for us to do. They're still paying us. Nobody knows what's going on. So me and Mike are towing cars for his dad's tow truck company and, uh, making pretty decent money on top of our contracts. So, you know, we're, we're double dipping, you know, we're happy as hell. So finally we're driving one day and Johnny Ace called both of us and, uh, tells me, he goes, Hey man, I got good and bad news for you. And I'm like, yeah. And he said, the good news is WWE picked up your contract. And I said, well, awesome. He goes, well, the bad news is you got two weeks to move to Cincinnati, whether you like it or not. And I'm thinking, well, I don't think my wife's going to like that very much. You know, two weeks to move, like, what do, you know, that, that's all they give us. So, you know, my wife wasn't very happy, like I said, but we just went up there and we were actually staying in a, like, extended stay hotel. Me, Lash LaRue, Rick Cornell, Jamie Noble, Shannon Moore, uh, Mike Sanders, uh, was Jim Jack up there? I can't remember. Uh, Easy Money. And then when we had all the, uh, Memphis guys, uh, Steve Bradley, Umaga, uh, Rosie, which is, uh, like, uh, you know, the superhero Rosie, uh, Matt, Matt Annoy. Uh, yep. you had, uh, Lance Cade, which is, you had a bunch of their guys from Memphis with us down at the HWA in Cincinnati with Les Thatcher. And then you got the other guys, John Cena, Randy Orton, Batista, all these other guys down at, uh, with Cornette down at OVW in, in uh, Louisville. So we're training all week at West Thatcher's gym. And then on Sundays, we go down to Louisville to do the TV show with, uh, you know, with, uh, Danny Davis and, uh, Jim Cornette. And then we would work with, uh, the, uh, we worked with John Cena, you know, Batista and all those guys. And I wrestled, I had a match with D'Lo Brown down there and a couple of the other guys. So basically we'd go down there on Sundays and get, you know, do matches with these guys on TV to get, you know, all these John Cena and Randy Orton, all these guys ready for TV. And then next thing you know, they're ready for TV. They give us our walking papers two weeks before Christmas and fire all of us and then, you know, keep all them guys. So it's basically they decided to get rid of HWA and keep OVW. Well, they, they kept, they got rid of all the WCW, HWA. All the Memphis mm, guys stayed there. Gotcha. They didn't get rid of none of those guys. None of those guys were ever on TV. I guess they thought since we were on TV, they didn't want to put us back on TV. I don't know. Now, they kept, like, uh, they kept, I think they kept Jamie Noble. Yeah, they did keep Jamie Noble. And then uh, they kept, like, Mike Sanders. 
I think they got rid of him and they kept him. And then they had him go to WrestleMania that year with him and Stasiak and I think Palumbo and Jindrak. I don't know if you remember that. They just had him for a split second up in the uh, booth. Yeah, just sitting there. Yep. And I think Chavo Guerrero might have been with him or somebody like that, maybe. I can't remember all who was involved in that. But, uh, so, you know, but Johnny Ace told me when he fired me, he said, listen, I, I'm going to try to help you out. You know, this probably isn't the end of the road for you. You know, they always give you that, that horse shit. You know, uh, you know, I'll help you out, kid. I'll, you know, which, which is nothing but a bunch of crap. You know, I tried to call him several times. He said he was going to help me you know, get overseas more and this and that, which he never did. So, uh, which I got over to all Japan with a great mood anyway, because I, I used to wrestle with Cass Hosh and WCW, so he was involved in that, so that's how I got to Japan. But, you know, that never came of it. Never did anything. Got to wrestle, you know, Eddie Guerrero, Steve Blackman, which was great. Uh, worked with Steve Regal, which I worked with him and Dave Taylor in WCW anyway. But uh, I got to do a couple of, you know, indie show. We did some indie shows down there with, uh, I mean, great, great wrestlers, man, like Eddie Guerrero and you know guys like that. So I love working with Eddie, man. He was awesome and he treated me great. That is pretty damn cool. Like some of the guys you get to work with, it's kind of shitty by them as far as WWE. Like, oh, we're gonna help you out, and they don't do anything. And Johnny Ace is kind of blowing smoke up your ass. Oh yeah, I mean that that's a wrestling business, though, man. You know, it's it's a uh, it's just part of it, you know. It's it's like it's normal. <laughs> yep. How'd yeah. you end up working for the WWA as well? I know you said work for All Japan, but you did do a few tours with WWA as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, with TNA and uh, Jeremy Borash was uh, kind of like in some of the guys, I guess. Uh, so he he called me up and asked me if I would you know would like to do with you know some stuff with them, and which of course I mean I'm working over in Japan and you know. I, I don't have a job. I'm not working at TNA anymore. I'm not working at WWE anymore. Yeah, so I, you know, I went on, and I actually wrestled uh, Carl Ouellette, here, Carl Ouellette, when we were over there in Australia with the WWE, which were great matches, because uh, Carl Ouellette, he's unbelievable. He's a great athlete. He's a good guy, and, and he's a hell of a worker. Unbelievable, yeah. Very, very underrated, for sure. Were you doing Alan Funk, or were you doing the Funkster? No, no, yeah, I was doing the Funkster. Uh, I started doing that in HWA for nothing other than it kept me amused because it, it just seemed like everything down there was dead, like I was going nowhere. And uh, so I was like, you know what? I, I grew up as a Hulk Hogan fan. That's basically the reason I wanted to get into business. And if you ever seen the Funkster character, and mm-hmm. uh, if anybody yeah. hasn't, I can, I can – emulate him better than he can do it and uh and actually uh, i was real good friends with Mach man he freaking loved it because he, he hated hogan but he loved how i did it because he he said you do it better than he does and you can actually work <laughs> <laughs> and because uh, i've done a few uh commercials or actually videos for macho man's uh do you remember when he come out with that uh cd yeah the rap uh cd yep yeah rap was crap or no not rap was crap uh, be a man be a man yeah be a man be a man that was it uh I'm thinking of Kurt Henning with the rap of crap. Yeah, West um, Texas Rednecks. Which he was a great guy, too. Uh, yeah, so, I, you know, when I, I used to do a couple of videos of Macho Man, he'd fly me down to Florida, and we'd film him down there. And, and uh, oh, he was a great guy, dude. He hated Hogan. So he, he loved when I did that because he always, every time we did a spot, we did a couple spots in the ring. He's like, oh, brother, I love working with you, man. You're 
you know, you definitely work better than Hogan. <laughs> That's great. Um, pretty awesome, though, to have a friendship and relationship with Macho Man, easily one of the greatest of all time. Oh, man, it was awesome, man. Like, I met him, I met him through Brian uh, Adams, because uh, me and Brian Adams are pretty good friends from WCW. Well, and Brian was down in HWA with us. So uh, yeah, I got a lot of stories with Brian, man. He's a trip. But uh, so Brian, you know, is is probably his best friend in the business was Macho Man. So uh, they hung out all the time. So they would always be hanging out and they would call me. And then I got to know Macho Man. Like he would always put him on the phone and I would talk with him. And, and then I remember I was in Japan wrestling with all Japan. And I used to check my voicemail over there, you know, with the calling card and, you know, call the phone and check my voicemails. And I get this message like, hey, brother, you know, there's Macho Man. He's like, hey, I need you to fly down to Florida when you get back, brother. You know, I was like, oh, man, this is fucking awesome. You know, Randy Savage just called my phone. He wants me to come down to Florida and do some stuff with him. And, uh, you know, of course, I marked out huge because, I mean, I love Macho Man. He was always cool. That's, a, that's, a, reason. Like, that's a little surreal. Like, Holy shit, Macho Man left me a message. Like, that's awesome. Yeah, man. So, but, you know, I, like I said, I talked to him every now and then, but, I, you know, I didn't expect him to call me up and leave a message on the phone tell me he wanted me to work with him, you know? So the first time I worked with him, I got a quick story for you. We're, uh, he, he, the owner of Big Tree Records, which was the record label that signed him for that album, I, I don't remember the guy's name, but uh, Randy always put me over so huge. Like him and Eddie Guerrero, I don't, they always, anytime you're around somebody, they always put me over. Like, this guy's awesome, man. You got to watch this guy work or watch him how he takes on Greg and stuff. Always put me over. And and Randy was like that big time, man. You know, he was, every, everybody we met, he's like, hey, this is, you know, this is Alan, the Funks brother. He, Guy's awesome, man. You gotta, you gotta see what he can do. You know, he he, he was just always putting me over. So we go over this record. The guy that owns the big three records. I mean, he's obviously got money and he's a bigwig. You know, so Macho Man's like, brother, he's got his pinky out. He cut a promo on this dude right here, right now. You know, so I cut a promo <laughs> on him, and Macho Man's just sitting there like spinning circles, like he actually does on TV. You know. And he's like, boom, right there, yeah, he just got you, brother. You know, and he's just like, he loves it. He's like, give me hugs. Like, that's what I'm talking about right there, yeah. You know, <laughs> and that's actually how he was. And then uh, I remember all the catering food, there was uh, all kinds of extra, hundreds of extras there. So they all ate the catering food. And Randy, you know, he's like, screw it. So I guess he ordered food for himself. So he had it in the back room. So he comes and gets me because he actually let me share a locker room with so him and I were sharing the locker room. So we go downstairs. He's like, come here, brother. Check this out. And he opens up the door. And it's like the Holy Grail is going to be in this door, right, the way he's acting. <laughs> and he's like, he goes, yeah. And he points his pinky at the, uh, there's a food tray over there on the table. And he's like, boom, K-Fape sandwiches, brother. Boom, right there. <laughs> yeah. You know, and he's like, he's like spinning around going, that's ours right there, brother. No one else is touching the K-Fape sandwich. You know, he's like, and, you know, I, obviously I was popping hard, man. I'm like, this is awesome. Macho Man telling me this K-Tape sandwich is there, which I would love to have a video camera at the time and videotaped all that stuff. But uh, he was great. That's so funny, too, because you, you can picture, you know, the Macho Man, you know, just the way he is, like, in almost in full gimmick, but that's how he is in real life, I guess. Yeah, I mean, he was around me. I mean, I don't know if he if that's how he was just acting like that around me or what, but I I loved it. I didn't care. <laughs> yeah, I grew up watching him, you know, man. I was like, 
Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm like, this is awesome, man. So we go to, so I shaved my head at this point, but I still have a mustache. He wanted me to do some, like, he wanted, like, to beat Hulk Hogan up in his video, which was me. So, uh, and I didn't have any hair. I shaved my head, but I kept my mustache. And uh, so uh, we, we, he takes me to a wig. We get in a limousine. He takes me to a wig shop, me, him, and Brian Adams. Dude, we're walking around this wig shop. He he is cracking me up. Like I, I would have, I wish I had a video camera video in this stuff. So we're walking around. He he see a wig, and you know how he pointed with his pinky, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. He pointed with his pinky. He's like, boom, right there. Try that one on, right there. You know. And I'm like, all right. So I put it on. He's like, boom, take it off. I don't like it. You know. <laughs> he's like, and the woman that was helping was like, right, okay. And uh, you know, she really didn't know how to react to him acting the way he does because he's. He's over the top, man. And uh, so finally, we get to this wig, and I put it on, dude. He he pops huge. He's like, boom, right there, brother. Boom, check it out. And he looks in the mirror, and he's like, right there. That's the one. We'll take it right there. You know, and he's <laughs> like, me and Brian's just looking at each other laughing, and he's he's full gimmick, man. It, it, it was, you know, it, that, that, out of all the memories I got wrestling, man, that one always sticks out. That's so awesome. Like, just think, like, be a big fan. You're hanging out with the Macho Man. And, oh, know, he's yeah. He's a full gimmick uh, 24-7. Awesome. How many people wouldn't want to hang out with him, you know? Oh, my God. He, if he's not one of the best, he's the best. You know what I mean? He's a t- top of my list. Love him. Well, as man. good as he was and as, you know, he, to me, he was still a little underrated. You know, and people think he's one of the greatest. And he's, to me, he was still underrated, man. He He was so good. Got to put him up there easily. Top three, maybe top five, uh, uh, top one, I, top one. I, yeah, he's, yeah, he's up there. You know what? Since I met him and he hung out with me and was always treating me cool, I'll, I'll put him in the top three for sure. Nice, I love that. I guess Hogan's not making your top three. Well, you know that's funny, man. I I don't want to say idolize the guy when I was growing up, but man, I pretty much idolized him. I, that's all. When I was a kid, you know, ten, eleven, twelve years old. I, I mean, I wanted to be him, man. Like, I, if I would have met him, I probably would have fainted. You know, I probably wouldn't have been able to talk to him again. And uh, funny story, I was a senior in high school, and I go to the Survivor Series, which is the second they had him up in Richfield, Ohio, at the Richfield Coliseum, a, a suburb of Cleveland, Ohio, where I'm from. So I catch his shirt when he rips it off because I, I go by myself so I can try to get a ringside seat. Because none of my, we were in high school, so none of my buddies were allowed to go because it was on Thanksgiving Day. And my parents were pretty cool, so they let me go. And I said, well, I got to go by myself. So I had to drive, you know, an hour and a half, two hours up to Cleveland. And I have a Hulkamania car. I have a 65 Plymouth Valiant red spray painted Hulkamania on the sides with Hulk rules on the hood and WWF on the, on the, on the, on the roof. So if you can picture this car. So I'm driving with a 65 Plymouth Valiant up to the Richfield Coliseum. I work my way to the ringside. I actually catch his shirt, get in a fight with a grown man, stuff it, finally get it stuffed down my pants so nobody could take it. <laughs> I get home with it. Fast forward 15, 20 years later when I'm working with him in WCW, he signs it for me. It's hanging in the side. Uh, I got it in a big picture frame hanging on the wall. He's got uh, two Allen, uh, Stay Strong, and K-Fabe, Hulk Hogan. Wow, that is awesome! Damn, <laughs> what a collector's item. That's probably worth a fortune. Not that it's you're going to sell it; it's, it's priceless to you. But man, it's probably worth a fortune. Well, I, you know, with my name on it, I, I don't know if it's worth much. 
Ah, true. Yeah, you're you're thinking more like a collector. Yeah, you don't you don't want the name on there. But to you, it's priceless. Well, I mean, shoot, man. I mean, how how many kids got that story? Right. Yeah. That's you know, out of a million kids in the world, I I happen to catch a shirt and then I end up working with him and he signs it for me. That I mean, that that's one of the million. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's insane. I know I'm jealous. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> but I actually got some autographed Macho Man stuff too. So. <laughs> Also, awesome. I, I I love it. That's so cool. But as we hit the wind down, we head towards the finish. I did want to mention TNA because you were Miss TNA. You were in the Rainbow Express yeah. as Bruce along with Lenny Lane. What was the whole – well, I guess we'll start with Rainbow Express. But what was that whole gimmick? Like I explained to you that you basically the Rainbow Express, you and Lenny Lane are going to do a gay gimmick together? Well, yeah, that was a full-blown gay gimmick. Uh, excuse me. I had to get a drink of water. Uh yeah, so we go in there. Burt Prentice, I don't know if you know that yeah. name. Yeah, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Some old-school wrestling fans would probably know that name. I don't know about nowadays. But he used to run a lot of stuff. He used to run up Louisville, too, I guess, with the the WWE uh, developmental deal down there. But the, him and Bill Burns. Uh, but uh, so we get there. We do the first pay-per-views in Alabama. So we dri- I drive to Alabama with Sonny Siaki, and I believe the old skipper and Jimmy Yang was with us. Um, so we get in the pay-per-view. So me and Lenny, you know, Lenny's a great guy, man. I love Lenny to death, man. I still keep in touch with Lenny. Uh, he's a great worker, too, man. He's really, really, really underrated wrestling, man. He's awesome. So we get in there. Now, this is another example of the wrestling business, what we were talking about earlier, that have no direction or they, they tell you one thing, blow smoke up your ass, and then do something totally, which is what happened with me and Lenny and TNA. So we signed a contract with TNA, right? We go in there the first day. They're telling us, everybody's telling us, Jeff Jarrett, Jerry Jarrett, everybody that's anybody there, you guys are my tag team champions. You're going to win a tag team tournament. We're putting the straps on you. You're going to be our number one tag team. We're going to build the whole tag team around you guys. You're, you two are it. You know, we hear this the whole day. We hear this the next show. Well, after the, the first show, Chris Harris, James Storms, which is the, the most wanted or whatever they were, isn't that what they were? Mm-hmm. America's Most Wanted, yep. Or America's Most Wanted, which two great guys. I like both those guys. I actually just shot a video with uh, uh, Storm not too long ago with Goldilocks and Chase, Chase Stevens. So anyway, I, I get sidetracked. I'm sorry. So that night they say they want James Storm Chris Harris to beat us. They're, they filmed them outside. They come to the ring. Or they they fill them outside getting out of their car, so they got their bags and they still got jeans and everything on. They're like the street clothes, you know. So me and Lenny are in a ring waiting for somebody. Here they come running in, you know, pretty much beat the shit out of us and and win. And you know, me and Lenny stand there and we're thinking, well, it's the first show, you know, kind of established as the heels. We had Joel Gertner with us, and he was did his little rhyme and stuff, you know, which was awesome. And. uh so then, you know, the next show came up. We They had us wrestle. Uh, I can't remember who we wrestled at. Then we wrestled back, Buff Bagwell. Buff Bagwell and Grand well, I'm Apollo. Sorry. I, I don't like calling him Buff. I'll call him Marcus because I can't stand him. Uh, so you got Marcus Bagwell and Apollo, which Apollo was great, man. That guy was unbelievable. Built like a brick shit house too. When he chopped you, he about killed you. So we, we go over there. Me and Lenny actually argued over who was going to pin Bagwell because we both can't stand him. So, uh, so I, you know, Lenny, I let Lenny 
because uh, you know Lenny has known him longer and probably hated him longer than I did, so I let Lenny pin him. And uh, so, uh, which that I think was part of the tag. No, that wasn't part of the tag team tournament. That was just a random match. So then, uh, then they have the tag team tournament for the belts. So me and Lenny's like, oh yeah, we make it all the way to the end. Well then, they have a team wrestle us, which I don't know if you remember this, which is Jerry Lynn and AJ Styles. Mm-hmm. Yep. They weren't even a team. They just put them together that day. Then they had them go over us. They weren't even a team. Yeah, they the, won the titles. Yeah. After they blow smoke up our ass day after day, saying you're you're the guys, you're our number one team. You know, we took photos, we had all kinds of stuff, and then that happens. So me and Lenny are already like, we're fucked. We're never gonna work here again. And then next thing you know, Lenny's off TV. He ain't coming no more. Uh, they put me in the single, and then then all of a sudden I'm beating up Kathy Kingman, which the same girl that was uh, my valet papaya in WCW, BB and WWE. She comes in there, she gets the TNA crown from the women's division. So then they have me wrestling uh, April Hunter. They have me wrestle some other random chick. And then I come out and beat, you know, uh, Kathy for the uh, TNA crown. So basically that was my only title in the world of wrestling. <laughs> Yeah, crazy. So weird. Did you mind doing that, like wrestling women and and doing that kind of gimmick? I didn't like it, but honestly, man, I I really didn't have a choice. I I, could have not got a paycheck and went home, but that's not an option. I was married, and I had to make some money. You know what I mean? Right. So, I mean, what's a responsible adult going to do? You know, you're going to go to work and do what you're told. Where's where does the name Bruce come from? Like, what what is that? I had no idea. I still don't have a clue. Bruce and Lenny. I wasn't there something Bruce and Lenny on TV or radio or something. I have no idea. Was that of mice and men? <laughs> I think if, if who was the other guy in of mice and men besides Lenny? I don't even remember. Yeah, Was it like a make fun of of uh, Bruce Pritchard and something? I don't even I, know. That I mean, it, it could have been. No one ever told me. I have no clue. Don't know. Don't even know where they got the name. They just, and, you know, Lenny was Lenny, obviously, anyway. Yep. Which, I mean, you know, I could have been Alan and Lenny. I don't know. <laughs> but that, that's just the way it was, man. And like I said, you know, some, I, I don't know. <laughs> the weird, wacky world of the early days of TNA, for sure. Well, I mean, TNA, well, now it's Impact. It's still wacky. It, it's it's different than any other wrestling show. Let's just say that. Yeah, uh, definitely. It has its moments, but yeah, there's no doubt about it. It's crazy is still going after all these years. Oh, yeah, I, you know what? If you if you would have bet me, I would have bet you in a minute when when it first started. They, if you told me they'd still be running in 2021, I'd I, I bet you a thousand dollars they weren't. <laughs> Yeah, crazy. That this, but if you look so at the, the very first TNA show, man, they had some talent on that card. I mean, Ken Shamrock was there. I, you remember uh, Jerry Toot was his real name. He was Malice in TNA. Yeah, he, he was, actually used to live not too far from me here in New Jersey. Yeah. Oh, really? Dude, yep. Jerry, man, I miss that guy so much. He was one of my best friends ever in the wrestling business. Uh, that's how I got over in all Japan. He, he actually was working over there with uh, Mike Awesome. And, uh, you know, I knew Kaz, so he... 
told Kaz, he said, you need to get Allen over here, man. We need Allen. So he's like, I'll, yeah, call Allen Funk, man. You need to have him over there. So Kaz calls me, and that's how I got over in All Japan Wrestling because Kaz knew I could work because I worked him, you know, several matches at WCW. And, uh, yeah, man, I'm Jerry, boy. I, I miss that guy all the time, man. Were you Alan Funk or were you the Funkster in, in All Japan? I, I was the Funkster, which, I, you know, I didn't really want to do it. I, especially in Japan, man, I wanted to be – I, if, if they would have let me what I wanted to do my whole wrestling career, I would have been a, a mix between Benoit, Eddie Guerrero, and like Chris Jericho, I would say. Uh, you know, I, I could do high flying. I just never did because I was built a little different than the rest of the guys, so I didn't think I had to do that. But, I mean, I could do moonsaults and flips and crap like that. You know, I wrestled guys that wanted to do that stuff, and I really didn't want to do it. If I had to do it, I would have done it, but... I mean, but I, honestly, I, I I don't know if some people get offended when you mention Chris Benoit, because some people do. But uh, which can't take away, he was a great wrestler. Oh, uh, one of the one of the best, easily. And I I really I always me and Brad Armstrong were great buddies. He actually worked for me. Uh, I had a supplement store, and uh, he actually worked at my store. But uh, and I miss Brad too. I can't believe he passed away. So uh, me and Brad used to always talk, and I, I said, you know, Brad, I said, I don't know if you're going to get mad at me for saying this, but I think you and I are one of the same in the rest of it. She's like, what do you mean? I said, you were always so, I mean, he was one of the greatest. If you look at Brad Armstrong, the way he moved and the way he worked and the guys he worked with, especially when he first broke into business, he got to work with some great talent, man. And Brad Armstrong was one of the best. I don't care what anybody says. And uh, I always tell Brad, you kind of got a kind of got a little push here and there, but they never they always held you back. And I said, I'm the same way. I know I can work good. I know I can work with anybody, and I I know I can have great matches if they just let me do what I want to do. But they always pull the rings back, and they never let you do what you want to do. I, I don't know if it was a fear I was going to, you know, rise above other people or not. But uh, I, I like to think that because I know I had the talent to, I know I had the talent to be in WWE and be on top and still be there. But any uh, any regrets though, like as far as like you like you said you wanted maybe to be WWE or bigger, but is there anything you did that you wish you would have changed differently? Uh, you know, not really. But I think about a couple different things. Uh, when I went to WCW, I never told them that I did independence because I didn't want to get treated any different. I thought that would hurt me. Looking back on it, it probably would have helped me. Uh, but would I do it again and tell them? I don't know. Because uh, I, I, I like, I got to where I was from hard work. I mean, I came from nowhere. Nobody knew who I was. I'm not related to nobody. Nobody gave me a job. Nobody said, hey, look, take a look at this kid. You know, I did it on my own. I didn't. You know, I didn't need to tell them I was an independent wrestler that, to help me get in the door. I did it because, you know, they thought I didn't have any experience, and I, I showed them some. So, I, you know, I'm kind of proud of that, so I don't know if I would tell them or not. But I think about that. You could have said you were related to Terry Funk. Well, you know, the funny thing is, I think I am related to Terry Funk. Somehow, some way, and so does he. The paper was... Where you know the pay per view where Sid snapped his leg, mm-hmm. 
so Terry had family in Indiana, and we, our family has family in Indiana, Chicago, and, you know, in the Midwest. Um, so Terry comes to the show. I, the first time I met Terry real quick, he didn't believe my last name was Funk, so I had to show him my ID. So I had to pull my ID out. After I showed him my ID, he gave me a big hug, and he's like, oh, yeah, we're brothers, man. Yeah, you know, then, then I was accepted, you know what I mean? So, uh, which was a cool story. And, because uh, I was always a Terry Funk Mark as well, because I grew up watching him, you know. So, uh, so then, uh, fast forward to Indiana, the pay per view, he brings his uncle. And I see him in the locker room, he goes, hey, man, he goes, where are you? I told him my dad was there when I saw him earlier. So he comes in the locker room. He says, "Hey, where's your dad at? I want I want him to meet my uncle." I said, "Well, I said let me go get him." So I went and got my dad because my dad loves hanging out with the wrestlers and stuff. So uh, I went and got my dad. We come in the locker room. Well, actually, I take it back. I seen his uncle when he goes. I want to introduce my uncle. I seen him and I about shit my pants. He was my dad's identical twin. Oh, my I, God. I said, oh, my God. I said, are you kidding me? I told Terry, I said, I'll be right back. I went and got my dad. I said, Dad, Terry has got his uncle here he wants you to meet. And I said, you're not going to believe it. He's like, what? I said, just wait till you see this guy. <laughs> so we walked in the locker room, and I, my dad just standing there. I said, this is uncle. And uh, Terry's like, hey, sir, you know. And I said, what do you think? My dad's standing there. And I said, yeah. <laughs> I said, is that your brother? You guys look like twins. And Terry's like, I cannot believe it. So, you know, I mean, him, his uncle and my dad, they were too much alike to not be related. So my dad actually sat in the locker room with Terry and his uncle for a couple hours trying to figure out if we were related. We, we figured out that we had family come over here from Germany about the same time. And, you know, we had family in Indiana and Chicago and stuff. So, there's got to be something there. Yeah, definitely. definitely. So I, like I tell people related. I'm related to them. It sounds cool, you know. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Plus, it's wrestling business. Even if I'm not, it's a work. Who cares? <laughs> yes. True. <laughs> yep, very true. So, so when you retired from the business, was that injuries? Like, why did you kind of uh, give well, up? Well, I'll you be did? honest with you, man. I never really retired. I, uh, me and Lenny Wayne and Lodi are trying to do some stuff right now. Uh, oh, that's awesome. Okay. But not it, it hasn't went anywhere, uh, obviously, because of the so-called pandemic, which I don't like calling a pandemic because I think it's a freaking joke. But, uh, yeah, it's just uh, it, hasn't, it hasn't went our way just because of that. And, uh, you know, we're, we're still working on it. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Oh, very cool. Now, as far as you and looking back in your career, what do you say, like, is the stamp? you left behind, like the, the legacy of Kwee the Funkster, Alan Funk. What do you think? Well, I, you know, I think for the guys that knew me in the wrestling business, I, I hope I left a pretty positive stamp as far as, you know, work ethic, always taking care of myself. Uh, I never went out really and, and did anything. I was married, so I stayed true to my wife. I think if you ask any guy in the wrestling business, I, I would hope they would tell you that I was a very loyal, hardworking dude. And uh, I, I, I'm hoping that's a stand by list, the guys that I worked with. As far as the fans, I, I get mixed uh, kind of feelings with the fans. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Uh, there's really any in between, uh, which, uh, you know, I, I've left some positive uh, effects on younger kids. I remember from, from the WCW days, uh, 
hopefully those kids still remember that. Uh, you know, I, I don't really know. I, I, I don't think I made much of an impact, uh, sadly, the matter in the wrestling business. Now, as far as kind of being like a worker, though, a bit underrated, and I feel like, um, you know, maybe WWE dropped the ball a little bit. But, I mean, I wouldn't disagree with that, and, I, and I'm sure if you asked a lot of the guys that work there, they would say the same thing, which, you know, it sucks for me, but, you know, that's just the way the 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 ball rolled, you know. And as far as kind of social media and getting out there and the fans and stuff, are you out there? Do you do social media? Do you, do you have, like, plugs and stuff and well, Twitter yeah, and Instagram I, and all I, that? I, I got off of Facebook for four years because I, I, I just can't handle drama, man. I, I do mm. not like drama. Uh, I, I'd have fans on there arguing with me and sending me DMs and stuff that I just, you know, I said, I'm, I'm tired of this. So I actually reactivated because I, I got some stuff in the works. So then I'm going to start plugging on Facebook and Instagram. Nice. I, I nice. don't have Twitter. I never, I've never been on Twitter. I'm not too big of a Twitter fan, uh, from what I hear from other people. So I, I just, you know, ever chose to get on Twitter. But, uh, you know, I, I, I got a lot of people I interact with on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, you know, when I post certain things, I posted a picture of the function the other night and people seem to like that. Uh, you know, uh, Hopefully, you know, I can post some. I got a virtual signing coming up, which it's not finalized yet as soon as I do that. And then I got two other projects I'm working on. Uh, actually, it's going to be a – I don't know if these guys even want me to say this. Well, I won't say it. But I, I do have something that I'm actually going to be doing within the next couple of weeks. Uh, I'll be on a bigger platform. Uh, and then, uh, you know, like I said, me, Lenny, and Lodi are still working on some stuff. And, uh, you know, whenever I have – finalizations or uh on something I, I posted on facebook and instagram awesome Good which stuff. is uh it's it's i'm sorry f-u-n-k-a-l-l-a-n funk allen just my name backwards at instagram or facebook nice. where people can search my name alan funk and find me on there Good stuff, and uh, definitely looking forward to a little WCW reunion or seeing what you guys got going on, even a little TNA reunion as well. So very, very cool stuff coming out of the world of Alan Funk. Thank you so much for all the time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you having me, John. I had fun, man. Thanks, man. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the two-man power trip of wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at two-man power trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash tmptempire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two-man power trip where the power lies brother.